The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. Yesterday, we posted the first half of a sermon entitled, But We See Jesus. This sermon was taken from Hebrews chapter 2 and deals with the fact that even though all things indeed are in subjection under the feet of Jesus, we don't always see it that way from our perspective. At the point where we concluded the message yesterday, we were beginning to look at the book of Ecclesiastes, which focuses upon all things under the sun. But if you keep reading in that book, you'll find at the end that the writer brings us back to the proper perspective. Join us today as we conclude this message, But We See Jesus. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. must get off of those circumstances and they should get on to Jesus. We don't see all things. We see not yet all things put under him, but we see Jesus. So what is it about Jesus that makes this view so much superior to the view that we have under the sun? You go back to the book of Ecclesiastes sometime and you read that book. But be ready when you read that, but don't don't stop to the end. (laughs) 
Because if you stop before the final chapter, you're going to have nothing but a negative view of everything that's going on around you. Because it starts off in a real uplifting way, doesn't it? Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. <laughs> and he goes on to prove it through his experience. Vanity just means emptiness. We're told that the, the preacher there, Solomon, we believe, was going out and he says he, he lived his life under the sun, looking for happiness under the sun, looking for wisdom under the sun, looking for knowledge under the sun, and he determined that all things under the sun are vanity. But what did he finally say was not vanity? What was it that he came upon uh, in his experience here that he finally left us with? As I said, don't stop before the 12th chapter. In the 12th chapter, he ends up with the very final two verses of the whole book there. He said, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. This is the whole thing that, God, that Solomon found out to be true. It's the conclusion of all of his studies, of all of his experience here under the sun trying to find happiness and contentment and peace under the sun. And here's the answer. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. You know, I might add to that, not to add to the word of God, this is also the whole privilege of the child of God. Not only do we have the duty to fear him for us as children of God who have been born of the Spirit? It is a privilege because God is not under the sun. Remember, he was looking at all these things under the sun. Here he found a wine, women, and song, and none of it satisfied him. He tried to labor with his hands, and he was not satisfied with the labor. He, he, he did all of these things, and it was all emptiness to him because it was all under the sun. His view was horizontal. He was looking around him. He said, here's the whole conclusion, though. Get your eyes off the things around you and get your eyes upon the Lord. <laughs> As Paul put it, get your eyes on Jesus. Get your eyes on Jesus. So what is it about Jesus? Well, we've already talked about part of it. He's the Son of God. He's very God. <laughs> You know, our God, we're told, is in the heavens. He doeth whatsoever he hath pleased. Our God is not like the gods of the Medes and the Persians and the ancient Near Eastern mystics and, and, the, and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and all those otherites over there. Our God is a God who is all-powerful. Nebuchadnezzar learned that, that, that lesson. He said, he said when he came back to himself after being turned out to pasture, he said that uh, uh, he had all power in heaven and earth. He said he has his way among the armies of heaven and, and among the inhabitants of the earth and none can stay his hand or say, to him what do us out that's our God <laughs> that's our God now listen I hope you know I, I've told you before it is a great uplifting thing to me to run into some some of y'all out in the week you know when, when I'll be you know I, I love being together with you here but I'm thankful that I'm able to every once in a while I can run into some I can go into brother Chad's store I run into brother Glennon I see brother James or brother Ralph or brother Roger or others out there that I just happen to run into and I get to see it it uplifts me so much and you know when you're in trouble isn't it a blessing to see to look up and see somebody that you know coming your way <laughs> but you know the problem the, the problem with relying on seeing me is that I might let you down you know, I can I can think of times when uh, when I'm I have been stuck somewhere and in need of help, and 
uh, and people just drive right on by. Unfortunately, I hate to admit it, but there have been times when I've done that very thing myself. But here's my point. I have done this before, and, and it's great, if, and we ought to help one another. And when you look up and see one another coming, it ought to be an uplifting thing. But listen, we'll let each other down. It's, a, it's another thing altogether to see Jesus, you see. When, we need, when we're in the midst of the troubles of life and we look up, it's certainly great to see a friend or a fellow church member or someone who's a fellow child of God coming, but it's more important that we see Jesus, that we see Him, that we get our eyes upon Him. Because in the dead of night at 3 o'clock in the morning, when I'm struggling with anxiety and when I'm struggling with despair, you're not going to be there. But the Lord Jesus Christ is. And you see, He is always there because He's able to be there. He is not like me. He's not as a man like I am. He has all power in heaven and in earth. There's not a wall. There's not, a, there's not an army. There's not anything that can prevent Him from coming to your aid. There were some disciples one time out on the Sea of Galilee. And I can imagine if I had been there and been one of the disciples that maybe had decided to stay back on the shore, as they're out there on the Sea of Galilee, a storm arises, a great storm, we're told. And the waters and the waves blew high and the winds were strong and, and no doubt the thunder was rolling and the lightning was flashing and they were about to be swamped. If I had been there and I had been standing on the shore, just about all I could do is look out there and shake my hand and say, man, that's terrible. I feel so sorry for them. Because there's nothing I could do to get there. There's nothing I could do. But you see, that's not our Lord Jesus Christ. Because what he did in that situation is he walked on the very thing they were afraid of through the very storm that was terrifying them. And he walked on top of that water and he got right over there to where they were and he calmed the storm after he calmed them. You see, he can do that because he's God. Now, there were gods of the Philistines. There were gods of the Greeks and the Romans. Zeus comes to mind. The Roman version counterpart to that was Jupiter. I don't know if you've ever read much about the character of those gods, but they were, their character wasn't very good. Zeus was a very powerful god, but he liked to toy with humans. He liked to play tricks on humans. He liked to mess with them, we would say. Sometimes he'd just get mad and he'd just cause all kind of problems for them. You got on the bad side of Zeus, you just forget it. You were in trouble. You were going to continually have problems. He had, he's, the, he's the god with the lightning bolt. You know, he could just zap you. <laughs> so what about our God? What about Jesus? He's God. He's more powerful than Zeus. He could zap us in a heartbeat if he wanted to. And, he, and we deserve to be zapped. We deserve nothing better than to be sent to a, the, to a hell that was prepared for the devil and his angels. But remember we said he was also the son of man. You know why he became the son of man? Because he had to become a man to come down to this earth to pay the sin debt for his people. That's why he's the son of man. See, our God is not just the Zeus that sits on Mount Olympus and toys with his subjects. Our God is the God who sits high in the heavens but looks low upon the problems and the troubles of his people. It's the God that loved his people before the foundation of the world.
And because he loved his people before the foundation of the world, he purposed to send his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to become the son of man and to live a life here that was perfect and to die a death that was able to put away the sins of his people. And not only able, but did it. Did it. Accomplished it. See, he was a successful Savior. He was a successful Savior. Remember what we read in verse 14. It said, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. He destroyed the devil in the sense that he put death to death. <laughs> he put death out of business. Death is no longer, no longer has dominion over uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, certainly, but not over his people either. And also, by the way, verse 15, his purpose was to deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. You know, that's where the gospel message comes in. I've used this example before how that uh, an inmate on death row who's shackled in his cell and condemned to die, trembling in fear awaiting his execution, that if that inmate is pardoned by the governor, the governor in his office in the, uh, in the state house signs a pardon. At the moment the pardon is signed, the inmate is free. He is no longer subject to that death sentence. But until the inmate is told about it, he still feels himself to be shackled. He believes himself to be headed towards death, and he is in fear of that thing that no longer applies to him. The fact of pardon is accomplished as soon as the governor signs the pardon. But the deliverance from the bondage of the fear from that death sentence is not accomplished until the inmate hears about it. So likewise, in our case, the fact of our eternal justification was accomplished on the cross by the Lord Jesus Christ's death, but it's not effective in our lives. It's not, it's not helpful to us, if you will, until we hear about it. We're already justified. I'm not talking about the gospel having to be heard in order for justification to apply. Eternal justification has already been applied to my case. But if I didn't know about it, I'd still be struggling this life in, in bondage. You see, once we're born again... Once we're born again, there's two natures within us. There's an old nature that is sin-cursed and sinful and loving sin. There's a new nature that is spiritual and cannot sin. And those two natures come into conflict with one another. And that's how someone who has never heard the gospel, that's how someone who has never heard about the Lord Jesus Christ, ends up in, in, in conflict with himself because he's been born again. And he doesn't understand what's going on. He just knows he's a sinner. And he is in need of something outside of himself. See, that's the good news of the gospel. You know what the gospel does? It delivers that one from that bondage of struggle within himself, thinking he's got to do something in order to go to heaven. That inmate, when they finally bring the pardon to him, he is delivered in his own heart and mind, finally, 
from the fear of death. That's what he's doing here. He destroyed death, and he also commissioned the gospel message, the good news, to deliver them who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Notice as you continue reading about the Lord Jesus Christ here, he said, Verily he took not on him the nature of angels. Praise God, he wasn't just an angel that came down here. But he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. I love that. He said he was merciful and faithful. In being faithful, he had to keep the law to a jot and to a tittle, otherwise sin could not be put away. But in being merciful, he purposed to do that because he loved us with an everlasting love. <laughs> so, where are we then? Remember the problem that Paul set up? We see G he said, uh, thou hast put all things under his feet. But our experience is, is that now we don't see yet all things put under him. And because of that, when we get our eyes upon the circumstances of life, we become fearful. And we get stressed out. And we become in despair. We, we get into the depths of depression. And we worry and we struggle and we, and we cry out and we moan and we groan under the burdens that we have here because our eyes are not on Jesus. We have our... We have our eyes upon the things that are out there in the world. But he said, here is the answer to that struggle. But we see Jesus. We see Jesus. And when we see Jesus, and not just any Jesus, not just a Jesus that is trying to save his people but can't, not just a Jesus who is doing all that he can to desperately get more people into the fold and, and struggling, but it's all up to you anyway. No, that's not the Jesus we're talking about. Because that Jesus doesn't give me much comfort. See, I am more familiar with, with me than I want to be. You know, I know you're sinners. I, you know, I know you're sinners, but I know I'm a sinner. Because I experience it every day. And because I'm a sinner, I realize that everything I do is tainted by sin. So any, the least thing that the Lord, had, if, he had to, if he had given me the least thing to do in order to assure my eternal salvation, I would never have assurance of eternal salvation. But see, here's the answer. We see Jesus. We see this Jesus who is all-powerful, who is all-knowing, but who loves his people with an everlasting love, who has accomplished the task of eternal salvation and has put death to death, and all things are now in subjection under him, you see. See, that's, that's the reason we need to see Jesus, because we can't see right now all things under his feet. We can't understand, you know, we, in our experience, death still reigns. We still fear death for our loved ones and for ourselves. Ultimately, that's the great fear of life, is it not? That some, that, that's why we worry about our children when they're away from us. That's why we, that's why we worry about ourselves. That's why, that's why I nearly had a panic attack in Boston, sitting there realizing I was thousands of miles away from anybody that cared anything about me. <laughs> you know? It's because I don't, see, I don't see all things under his feet. But the problem is I'm not supposed to be looking at all things. See, there was a time, I told you, we, we, we'll bring this to a close by talking about this. 
There was a time when the disciples were out there on the, on the Sea of Galilee. We've already talked about this. They were out there on the Sea of Galilee, and, and they were in the midst of the sea, and a storm came up. And remember, they were also in the midst of the will of God. Jesus had said, go over to the other side. And I'm going to stay here on the land, and I'm going to pray. And he said, you go, I'll stay here. They did. They went. And this knocks the prosperity gospel in the head because they were not being unfaithful. They didn't have too little faith to follow him. They were actually following him. And they were out there in the middle of the Sea of Galilee and the storm came up and the winds were blowing and the waves were lashing the ship and they were about to go under. And what do they, what do they see? Here comes Jesus walking on the water. And there was this one old disciple, dear old Peter, Old Peter, who was zealous and fervent, he got in trouble, but he was zealous and he was fervent in his devotion to the Lord. And he, he, he wanted to go to him. He cried out to let me come to you, Lord, on the sea. And, he got, and the Lord said it was, he indicated that he could come. And he climbs out of the boat onto those lashing waves. And here he goes, his feet on the water, walking step by step to Jesus. You know, I can just see him there. I can just see him get, you know, one step, two steps, three steps, maybe 10 or 12 steps out there as he's going to the Lord and he's seeing the Lord out there. And I know what Peter did because it's the same thing I would have done probably before Peter did it. <laughs> he takes another step and he looks down <laughs> and he says, man, I'm on the water. <laughs> This isn't concrete, this isn't ice even, it's water. And men can't walk on water. Circumstances have proven to me through my lifetime that I sink when it comes to water. And then he no doubt looks over here and there's great waves coming. Here's a 10-foot swell coming at me. Man, that thing is liable to knock me off of this path. And the wind's blowing and he's probably shaking and he's moving back and forth. And suddenly, with his eyes off of Jesus and his eyes upon all the things that are around him here that are in subjection to Jesus as he's about to prove nonetheless Peter begins to sink in the waves and he calls out that prayer that desperate prayer that's probably the most powerful prayer we ever pray we have some beautiful prayers here in this church and I'm thankful for for men who will stand up and pray publicly but there's some times beloved when the only prayer you can pray is Lord save me <laughs> Lord save me and you know what the problem was the fact of the matter is that the wind and the waves, the clouds and the lightning, the water were all in subjection under the feet of Jesus. Before he got out of the boat, as he was walking on the water, and even after he was sinking in the water, all, this, all of that was under subjection to him, but the problem was he got his eyes off of the one to whom they were subjected. And he got his eyes on the circumstances. And he was looking around at all these things that are supposed to be under his feet, but in his experience and from his perspective or not. And I want to say to you, beloved, if you get your eyes onto all the things in your life that are supposed to be under the feet of Jesus, but don't appear to be from your perspective, you're going to sink down too. You're going to sink down too. But you know what allowed him to walk on the water? It was getting his eyes upon Jesus. 
Paul says it here. He says, all things are in subjection under his feet, but now we see not yet all things put under him, but, praise Lord for that but, but we see Jesus. You see, we don't have to see the outcome. We don't have to see the reality that's out there of all these things under his subjection. We just need to see Jesus. That's all we need to see. And we need to learn about him because the more we know about him, the more confident we'll be when we keep our eyes upon him. The more we know, that's why church is important. That's why personal Bible study is important. That's why the right kind of church, by the way, is important because you need to hear the right kind of preaching about the right Jesus to be able to understand just how much we can trust him. See, my perspective is just like yours. It doesn't look like everything's going the right way. It looks like everything's going the wrong way. But I see Jesus. And I don't have to know the outcome. I just have to know that the Lord has me in the palm of his hands. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.